Meditation on the Ancient Way, session, talk number six. Look at your state of mind right now. Just notice whether you are present, worried, calm, spacious, bored. Be aware of the sensation in your body at this moment. This experience right here, right now, of each person is the culmination of a lifetime, perhaps even lifetimes. culmination of a lifetime, lifetimes of effort, of laziness, of anger, of greed, of generosity, of kindness, of effort. This moment, this life, we tend to think of our life as some kind of thing, a thing, a lump moving through space. But if we look carefully and deeply right here, right now at our experience, not only do we find that it is boundless, that is, we can't find it into it, not only do we find that the source of it is mysterious, but we find that we are not small, isolated, alone. that our intimate experience, our intimate experience, Kisi talked about, the intimate, everything we see, hear, feel, think, It is not a trivial matter to arrive at this place, wherever that may be. In a way, you could say it's easy, because the whole course of history has led to this. On the other hand, of the infinite number of places that we could be at this moment, somehow, here we are. Somehow, we've arrived at a place where we can practice dharma in such propitious circumstances that somehow we have arrived at a place where we can hear the teachings that we are not broken. That this experience right here that each of us is having as we sit and breathe is whole and complete, lacking nothing. Admittedly, on another level, there's some work to be done. But if we're working from the fundamental truth, it's very different work than if we're working from the brokenness truth.
this place that we're all at in this lovely afternoon with the state of mind, the feeling in the Zendo, the culmination of this week's work, of all the things that each person has faced, the thoughts, the struggles, the insights, the joy, the depression, the boredom, this afternoon, nothing in our history has been wasted. We could not take out one pea, one small little dot of our history. It's all vital. It's all right here. So in this sense, we don't think of Sashin as, okay, if I sit long enough and hard enough, I'll get to someplace else. Oh yes, the crescendo of a session is, you know, as we as we approach the whatever day this is, approach the next few days. It's not. The crescendo, the the apex, the the point of great penetration is right here. Right now. Right where birth and death come to meet. is a mystery. So we keep talking about mystery. It can't be understood. We can't put our fingers or our hands or our minds or our mouth around it all. The Buddha says, if anybody who tries to actually follow all the threads of cause and effect that led to this moment, it will drive them mad. So, Suggest not doing that right now. So the practice during meals, during Taisho, during during Zazen, walking, the vigorous Kenhin that we're doing right now, working. The practice is intimate awareness. Intimate awareness, not of the stuff, but intimate awareness of the movement of life in you. And then, of course, that movement of life is intimately connected with the stuff. And as we meticulously pay attention to the stuff and meticulously pay attention to the intimate life within, everything flows better. The harmony of our essential nature reveals itself. We were working a little bit with Keizan Keizan Zenji's (coughs) book called the Denko Roku, Transmission of the Light. Transmission of the Light. Everyone here see is light. Even if your eyes are closed, there still is a visual field with awareness. This light that he is talking about is not the passing on of a candle, although it has that implication too. 
It's the recognition of the light that's always present. And yet, a bell which is not hit does not ring. It may be that the light is always present, but unless it is actualized, it's not transmitted. It's not realized. And so a bell which is not struck does not ring. It's still a bell, always a bell. But the striking of the bell is a vital part of the bell's function a vital part of the bell's offering to the world, a vital part of the bell's fullness. A bell with no sound is not a whole bell. The same, of course, is true with us. Each of us sitting right here may indeed embody the truth, the wisdom of Shakyamuni Buddha in some mysterious, intimate way. But unless it is realized, embodied, incomplete. The second case in the transmission of the light, the book about how the bell has been struck over and over, how realization has been awakened over and over, how people have learned to function over and over. The second of these cases is the case of Mahakashapa. We talked, I talked at least before the other talks about Shakyamuni Buddha. That is the essential truth of our own fundamental awareness in this moment is the exact same truth, the fundamental awareness of Shakyamuni Buddha. It can't be otherwise. It's not personal. It's not about our weird little personalities. The fundamental truth of the awareness at this moment has no other. So that whole first case is simply pointing this out and pointing this out. And yet, that's the case all the time. It doesn't matter whether the light is transmitted or not. But just the fact that there is a certain wisdom and truth present at all times, in a way, is not enough. And so these stories about how does it become actualized? How does it become actualized and how does it function? And the first, the next story is Mahakashapa. Mahakashapa was the Buddha's, one of the Buddha's senior disciples. And the classic Zen koan, which is both in the Denko Roku and in the Muman Khan and other, te- other, cl- other texts. Shakyamuni Buddha is giving a Teisho one day, giving a Dharma talk to his assembly, and he comes out to do his talk. But instead of actually talking, 
he simply holds up a flower. And he smiles or blinks. Everyone says, oh, that's very nice, you know, nice flower. For what? And Mahakashapa smiles. And then in the koan, uh, the Buddha says some version of, I have the treasury of the eye of the true dharma and the wondrous mind of nirvana, and I now transmit it to Mahakashapa. And the whole koan, in all the different cases, in all the different collections, is what does this mean? What is this about? How many flowers have we seen in our lives? How many people have smiled at us in our lives? How many times have we tried to blink the dust out of our eyes? What does this mean, then, in this particular case? Why is this considered one of the fundamental koans, why is this the second koan in transmitting of the light? And obviously, because of the nature of these koans, or these collections, these collections were different teachers' effort, offering, to try to be a benefit to the students who were reading, working on, passing them on. So this is Kazan Zenji's offering to us. This particular case, offering to us. The Buddha holds up a flower, blinks, Mahakashapa smiles, and the Dharma is transmitted. Where is this flower? You don't call it a flower, what do you call it? It blinked, light, dark, up, down, these things disappeared up here. We can all do this. We all have actually blinked many times, in case you didn't know. That has to be the Buddha's eyes. The Buddha's ears hearing that bird. The Buddha's body feeling this floor. Because there is no other. And yet we have this case. The case goes, the first patriarch, first ancestor was Mahakashapa. Once the world-honored one, it's just an appellation of the Buddha, and obviously, when it says world honored one, it doesn't mean that he was renowned by all the Aborigines in you know, Zululand. It's not, it doesn't mean that. Just as each of us is preeminent in our life, each person is preeminent. And in a way, you could say, from the perspective of each one of us, we are the central being in the whole world. We know this life more intimately than any one or thing. We taste 
only being in the universe that can taste what's in our mouth and feel the grumbling of our bowels, feels the itching of our skin. When he says, world honored one, from this vantage point, we are. We, not our personality. Our personality happens to be a nice, interesting reflection in a way, part of. What our personality is, you know, on any scale is kind of crooked. The world-honored one came forward, held up a flower, blinked, Kashapa smiled. The world-honored one said, I have the treasury of the eye of the true Dharma and the wondrous mind of Nirvana, and I now transmit it to Mahakashapa. And that's the whole case. So if you're working on koans, that's the whole case. If you're working on koans, then you have to see the Buddha. You have to understand Mahakashapa. You have to understand what is recognizing what. It's not as though they're one lump. It's all part of the, the koan. It has to be looked at from the perspective of big mind, one mind. When we look at our own eye blinking right now, our own breath breathing right now, that mysterious process that none of us understands, mysterious process of a taste in our own mouth, which none of us understands, mysterious process of the feeling in our hands, which can't be transmitted to anybody else. No one could ever know what it feels like to be inside these hands, this skin. When we rest in this direct experience, it is ahistorical. This direct experience has no history. To feel the hands, the body, the mouth, with no history at all. No becauses, no what ifs, no should haves. Well, I can say that this life and this body is the culmination of all history. In the same sense, there is no history at all. This particular sensation of our own breath. So that is part of the practice. Can we sit with this mystery and be intimate with it and experience it intimately with nothing added. It's not so hard in a way. But our mind just keeps adding things, adding things, adding things, adding things. Oh, good, bad, right, wrong, I like, dislike, I'm bored, I'm entertained, I'm happy, I'm sad. And we keep adding all these labels.
but to actually feel and experience your own life with nothing extra before we learn how to speak. As far as we can tell, there is pure sensation. No labels. No even self or other. That's a recognition that comes at a particular developmental stage. So we come during to Sashin, and our goal is, of course, not to become infantile and infants, but to know that state which is as pure as snow. And then to begin to give it life, to ring the bell of our life through our particular DNA, our particular wisdom, our particular way of being in the world, our particular hands, our particular way of speaking, carrying ourselves, being engaged with relationship. We come to Sashin and we are here, first off, learning to quiet the mind, to be present. But if we do that, we actually can touch the non-causal, the ahistorical. Because if we look very directly at our breath or our thoughts or any particular thing we put our mind on, pop, pop, it just pops up. One minute it's not there, the next minute pink elephants are in your mind. Everything, we turn, everything, we turn our attention. We don't, in our experience right now, it's whatever it is, and suddenly we think about our left ear. Pop, there it is. Our chin, pop, there it is. When we look at it in this very intimate, direct way, it is the non-historical, a-causal way. Whatever we turn our attention to, pop, there it is. Out of the great mystery. It's a different view of life that involves faith. That this process, this amazing, unknowable process of things appearing and then disappearing and appearing and disappearing and appearing and disappearing constantly and consistently through our life in ways that we can't even fathom plunge the depths. We can't get our whole mind around it. We try, especially in our nicely well-educated culture, we try to really understand it all, put it all in a box so that it makes sense, so we can have some prediction of what's coming next. We try to, to put together causal sequences so that we are not surprised, so we can uh, organize the events of our life. And of course, that's all well and good. It's all fine. Sometimes I do these kind of talks and I hold up a cell phone and say, look, this is a causal result. It's good to have nice causes. But this is not what we're looking at right now. We're looking right now at the A-causal. Things just appear. You don't know what's going to come next, and it just appears. 
it just appears. It just appears. One minute you're looking at the universe and you're filled with bliss, and the next minute all you can see is just you know, your own gnarly personality. One minute things are easy and smooth, and you know, a couple of breaths later your mind is just filled with chaos and confusion. And then your mind is filled with chaos and confusion, and pop, a few minutes later, you've forgotten all about that, and you're enjoying lunch. When we are paying attention right here, right now, and watching things mysteriously, anxiety pops out of nowhere, disappears. Pops out of nowhere, disappears. When we really begin to rest in that view, it takes a faith. It takes faith. It takes a sense of, of we have to have some clear experience of ourself beyond the personality. When things just emerge. And we don't know what's going to happen next. And we actually look at that real truth. It's a little scary because we're so used to controlling things and keeping things in order and figuring out what's going to happen next. And you know, do I like what we're going to have for lunch or not like what we're going to have for lunch? But to actually rest right in this moment with the mind quiet and experiencing fully and watching things just change, watching things pop, 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 takes faith. We don't know how it's going to turn. We don't know what's going to come next. And when people first touch that, there's often a real anxiety, a terror about it. I'm so used to having control of my world, and suddenly I realize, oh, maybe it's all just a mystery. Nobody has control of it. It certainly looks like that when you look at the news. This is a different realm than the realm of personal responsibility, which we could also talk about. They're not dissimilar. But. So we're sitting in Sishin. We're sitting right here, attentive, tending to the one who's listening, tending to the one who is feeling. Asparagus. We don't know what's going to come next. <laughs> Anything could come next. Yeah, cherry tomatoes, who knows? And when we are really actually sitting in that way, there's a kind of surprise that happens. Oh, look, another crazy person just arrived at my doorstep. <laughs> well, well, all right, deal with that. Another bodhisattva just appeared. And when we're sitting in Sushin, of course, it's the same way. Yeah. Crazy old, old friend from the past suddenly rears their head and, and they disappear. Interesting, interesting. The Buddha held up a flower, smiled simultaneously. Mahakashapa uh, held up a flower, blinked. Simultaneously, Mahakashapa smiled. 
Or we could say Mahakashapa held up a flower and simultaneously Shakyamuni Buddha blinked. And everybody smiled. The traditional transmission image is of a seal. So we have a seal and we press the seal into a soft wax and the seal is left and it leaves the imprint. And then that imprint creates another seal. And that seal leaves another imprint. And that imprint creates another seal. And the seal and the imprint, while they are fused, are the same thing. The transmission of the Buddha and Mahakashapa about this oneness of cause and effect, this miraculous synchronicity, this miraculous recognition that out of the great mystery, simultaneously, flowers, blinks, and smiles all arise. That simultaneously, we are aware of a oneness, cause and effect the ahistorical, the non-dual, whatever you want to say. So this is an ahistorical koan, an a, a, non, a non-causal expression. It has no meaning but the isness of the experience. One of the elements of faith for each person here, all of us, is faith that what the Buddha, the great spiritual genius of our era, saw, tasted, was intimate with, that we, Two, to taste it, be intimate with it. It is true that a great spiritual genius like the Buddha or somebody like the Dalai Lama has got a level of upaya, a level of skillful means that is extraordinary. But that essential touching of our blink and the Buddha's smile. That essential recognition of the Buddha's embodiment of the great truth and our knowing that One thing. It doesn't have to be fixed. But sometimes when we are in our ordinary way of confused thinking, you know, and all that all that stuff just sounds like jibber jabber. Sounds like, you know, just a bunch of and 
at that moment, that time, that's when faith comes into play. I feel that faith is when we have some direct experience, some deep experience. It may last a millisecond. It may last a timeless amount of time. It may be a timeless experience. No time. And it disappears quickly. But when we have an experience like that, perhaps an experience of great, deep calm, perhaps an experience of the interfusing of all things, perhaps an experience of no boundary, perhaps an experience of a causal like I'm talking about today. When we have an experience like that, because it's an experience, all experience disappears. It's inevitable. One of the traps that happens in Sashin, especially as it goes on, is people have these little experiences, these little pops in the course, they just disappear. It's what always happens. Nothing we can do about that. But you know something about reality, about the nature of your own mind, which you didn't know before. Someone can have sex one time. And they know something about that, which they didn't know before. Maybe it's the only time in their whole life. In the spiritual realm, we have a little glimpse, a taste, a touch of grace, an insight, a kincho, an opening. And of course, like all things, it disappears. That's normal. As much as we like to hang on to it and figure out how to get back to it and all the stuff that we all do. But because, because we have experienced something intimately with our own being, there is a root of faith that even though the experience may not be there, even though the world may look like it's total chaos and we're floundering in it, Somewhere in our heart, there's a truth. Oh, yes, I've known that. And in a way, that's part of what Dharma talks are about, is trying to talk to this truth, this root of faith, this heart of knowing that each of us has, and to awaken your recognition of it. Sometimes I ask people, what is your deepest spiritual experience? What's an experience that touched you as a child, as a young person? Something you knew was true, psychedelics. And people often will have something in their life that happened somewhere. And of course, all disappears, like normal. But when we recall that truth, it is the root of faith that enables us to keep practicing. It is the root of faith. We never have the same experience twice, at least certainly not my, my experience. But there is a, a, a recognition which can happen repeatedly. This koan is about that recognition. 
this koan is the Buddha brought his entire life and all of his previous lives to this moment on Mount Buddharakta, Vulture Peak. Mahakashapa brought his entire life and all of his decades of practice and all of his previous lives to that moment. And at that moment, there is a recognition. Not I recognize something, but there is a mutual recognition of awareness recognizing awareness. The nature of awareness recognizing awareness is awareness. And there's awareness. And the Buddha smiles. Mahakashapa holds up the flower. There's awareness. The Buddha appears right where you're sitting. That is intimacy. They said it was not, it's not a part. Not a part from your own breathing. But it does require a clear mind. And even if we recognize something, it does require some cleaning up of old habits and fixed views. The next uh, koan is Ananda. The second ancestor was the Venerable Ananda. He asked the Venerable Kashapa, Elder Dharma brother, when the world honored one transmitted the gold brocade robe to you, did he transmit anything else? Kashapa called Ananda. Ananda replied, yes. Kashapa said, knock down the flagpole in front of the gate. Ananda was greatly awakened. The knock down the flagpole in front of the gate is a cultural cultural thing. It has to be explained. It just means the, the dialogue is over. The Dharma, the, the Dharma talk is ended. The display of Dharma understanding is complete. That's all it means. Ananda was the Buddha's nephew and sat by the Buddha's side and walked by the Buddha's side and sat by the Buddha's side and listened to all the Buddha's talks for 20 years. And he was so focused and so fixated on what the Buddha said. And he listened to so carefully that after the Buddha died, the first assembly of all the bhikkhus, they asked him to come forward and say, what did the Buddha say? And then Ananda says, thus have I heard. And he recites the sutra. The story is that Ananda was not going to be invited to this convocation of arhats, of enlightened beings, because his mind was still confused. Despite having been by the Buddha's side for 20 years. And this particular koan points to something that that we all get to deal with. When the Buddha transmitted the Dharma, 
Mahakashapa. When any of the ancestors transmit the Dharma, what is actually transmitted? When we say that right here, right now, awakens Maitreya Buddha, the Buddha of the future, right here, right now, what changed? What's different? Ananda saw this symbol, which is one of the traditional symbols of transmission is giving a robe. It's been a symbol for millennia. The robe is a symbol of transmission. We say, recite, recite that little verse in the morning. I um, can't remember the current version. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the Tathagata's teaching, I benefit all beings. Vast is the robe of liberation, of course, means everything. That frog is part of the robe of liberation. This light, these sounds. Vast is the robe of liberation. Everything is that robe. We put on the whole world. We put on our skin, the whole world, each morning. And the symbol of that is this garment. Seven, 21, however many stripes they, they make tomorrow. Be plain, it can be an or, ornate, all sorts of things. So Mahakashapa, or excuse me, so Ananda saw this, the Buddha gave Mahakashapa this robe. Here, here's your transmission. Here's the symbol of your transmission. Here's the symbol. And of course, we, we look around and see teachers of all sorts of lineages they have different symbols of their transmission and authority. And he's asking, is that all? This thing that I can see? This robe? Was there something special and secret that was given in the middle of the night? What is transmitted to whom? And that's this next koan. When we inherit the Dharma, what is it that we inherit? How can we inherit the Dharma? In a way, it's very much like an unstruck bell. When someone actually strikes the bell and it rings its true tone and its true notes, In a way, we can say that ringing right there is the transmission of the Dharma. We are not lumps. And the, the outcome of practice is not to be an enlightened lump. The outcome of practice is to be a vital, dynamic, alive human being that knows this great mystery comes right through our DNA, right through our awareness, that we give birth to the whole world. And that in that, we have a responsibility to everything and everyone. And in giving, inheriting that, having that bell rung, and having this realization, and we take on that mantle of responsibility, that mantle of of care for everything in its own way. It's part of the transmission. Part of what Ananda overlooked. 
thinking it must have been something, 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 something. Just like we think, something, something, something. If I just get something, if I just have an experience, if I just get a this, I just get a that, then, ah, hallelujah. What recognizes that frog? In a way, that frog and our awareness of that frog is the ringing of this bell of Dharma. It's the functioning, a causal, not personal, vital and alive, intimate. So as we continue in session, drop the past, drop the future, open your awareness to what's right here, right now, uncluttered by all that stuff. And that place is a place of not knowing place of great intimacy, a place of vital aliveness, which is the essence of each of our lives. Have great confidence. Have great faith.